Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Live in Conversation. Um, we're back with another episode, two episodes in one day, um, mainly because I feel like um, there is a lot more to cover today, or well, now at least, that the day has, you know, kind of gone past a bit. Um, so yeah, let's get right into it. The first thing, and pretty much the main thing um, for today's episode is to let you guys know that I am officially posting on Instagram. We had an Instagram this whole time, um, but I never posted to it because I just didn't know how I could possibly use Instagram for the campaign. Um, but we are, well, I, because I'm the only one who has access to the account, actually, um, I'm actually going to be posting on that account regularly now, um, and I actually want to go through a few of the posts now, actually, since we're here. Um, hold on. Let's, hold on. Um, is this thing working? Okay. All right. So what I've done so far, um, just today alone, I have made, um, 10 posts that are completely unique. I posted a meme about Biden as well, but you know, we're not going to go over that in the podcast because there's really no point. Um, so I'm going to go through all of these posts real quick. Um, and all these posts describe various different policies that I plan to implement. Um, and they're broken up into topics. Um, and this isn't, you know, the entirety of everything I'm going to do for each of these topics. This is just highlights and stuff like that. The main things, you know, there's also going to be some more stuff that does develop over time. So just stay tuned for that. I want to start with the first one, which is lowering costs. Now, this one is is a very, very key part of the campaign. Um, you know, the whole point, part of the whole point is, is, you know, fixing the economy. And, you know, a big part of that is obviously lowering the expensive cost of living in California. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through these. And if I feel like they need any more extra clarification, I'll just follow up with that. So let's read this one. A large issue that our state faces is, is the extremely high cost of living. From taxes to groceries to rent, millions of Californians are living paycheck to paycheck. And it's time to say enough is enough. As governor, I will do everything in my power to lower the costs of living all across California. That includes fairer taxation by raising taxes for the top 1% and for massive corporations that we allow to abuse the system when it comes to taxation. I will also work with local agriculture to allow for more local organic produce to be sold in grocery stores across the state. And by helping subsidize local agriculture, we can work to dramatically lower grocery costs for healthy and organic foods rather than lowering the costs of heavily processed foods. Um, that's not to say that I'm not going to try to also lower the prices of, you know, you know, like, name brand foods and stuff like that and other stuff in grocery stores that might not be organically grown. But, you know, I also want to focus on that because that is a very big issue we have, not even just in the state, but in the country as a whole, is how ridiculously expensive healthy and organic foods can cost. When in reality, we should not be upcharging just because a food is naturally grown without pesticides and without, you know, extra chemicals being added. Um, the next thing I want to cover is ending homelessness. Um, a massive issue that is getting worse rapidly is the homelessness crisis in California. 
Millions of people in California are unhoused, and this is a serious issue that majority of politicians tend to ignore. We cannot allow our fellow, fellow citizens to be outside in unhealthy or hazardous conditions, but we also cannot afford to spend all of our money on the issue. The funding for ending homelessness is always the biggest concern from career politicians, but they always overcomplicate it. Now, with my Home for All initiative, I plan to dramatically lower the homelessness population in California and allow them not only to have housing, but also allow them to get an appropriate job with a livable wage. By ensuring that they are employed and on the path to self-sufficiency, we can dramatically lower the amount of homeless people and people in poverty. Again, the next thing is caring for our youth. Our youth are our future, quite literally. So why are we not caring for them as we should be? We need to enforce rights that parents have to be able to raise their children, such as mandated maternity slash paternity leave, financial assistance for new parents, access to free health care for the mother and child, and safe neighborhoods for the children to grow up in. All of those things will be on my list of immediate actions for when I am elected governor. My plan, which is called the Children's Right to Prosperity, gives all children in California the right to have a prosperous and healthy childhood. This also includes making school curriculums consist of truly meaningful and important topics and ensure that they remain politically unbiased. And this is the least that we owe to our youth. The next thing I want to cover is environmental care. The shockingly relaxed policies that many politicians have when it comes to the environment are extremely hazardous, not only for the plants, but for ourselves and our future generations. My plan for environmental care is to focus primarily on the creation of clean energy in California. By doing this, we can increase energy independence in California and also be able to create new jobs and help minimize emissions from the power we depend on. I also plan to focus on the opening of more nature parks and nature reserves to protect the environment from corporations and pollution. Our kids and grandkids and all future generations deserve to experience nature, and they deserve a clean, healthy environment to live in. As governor, I will stand for the environment while also standing for economic growth and infrastructure growth. The next thing I want to cover, um, now more recently I have adopted a new campaign slogan, which is, this fight is for all of us. Now, what is this fight for? Now, we're going to explain, I'm going to explain what this fight is for. The fight that I am running for is the fight for our rights and freedoms to be protected, for our government to finally represent the people rather than corporate interests, and for a clean environment. The fight also includes fighting for the working class to be truly represented by our government, for the top 1% and massive corporations to be held accountable for their actions, universal health care, universal basic income, and an end to, toxic and to the toxic and dangerous capitalistic system which allows for the working class to be suppressed while they are suffering due to the neglect of the president and the current governor. Another slogan that you know I don't use too much anymore but I still use is results over rhetoric. And this one is more simple, this one is more literal, and it means that I'm going to push for actual results rather than just dilly-dally, playtime, you know. I actually am focused on results that last, good results, true results, not, 
you know, political games and political PR. That's not what I'm in it for. Ending poverty. Now, this one kind of goes hand in hand with ending homelessness because it is a part of the same plan. My Home for All initiative will not only tackle homelessness, but it will also tackle the issue of poverty. Now, poverty is one of the largest crises we as a state and as a nation face in today's world. The reason it continues to grow so rapidly, though, is due to the poor state of our capitalistic economy, which relies on the shady individuals who run massive corporations, many of which do not have any sort of moral compass. My plan for ending poverty is also a part of my Home for All initiative, as I said before, as the plan will not only tackle homelessness, but also poverty. As part, of the home f- as part of Home for All, a universal basic income will be available to all Californians within the middle and lower classes, which includes the working class, by the way. Universal health care and paid maternity slash paternity leave are also going to be included in the Home for All initiative. Now, the Home for All initiative realistically applies to everyone. It is a universal initiative, which means that no matter who you are, you will have access to the Home for All initiative, which means that a lot more people are going to be able to enroll in an initiative and into a plan that actually supports people and doesn't, you know, break people up and, and, you know, cause many people to just miss the requirements for being eligible. You know, by making these requirements a little bit less airtight necessarily or, or, well, a lot less restrictive than what other plans might have, we can make sure that we're actually getting the issue solved, not just for homelessness, but also for poverty. You know, Home for All isn't just a, a normal plan where, you know, we go to people who are already homeless and in poverty and, you know be like, oh yeah, here's, here's, you know, a homeless plan. You know, if I wanted to just do that, I would have embraced Inside Safe, which obviously hasn't worked. Now what Home for All is, you know, it is partially that, you know, people that are currently homeless can sign up for the Home for All initiative and they will gain housing. They will get the help that they need, but also Home for All will double as a plan to not only end poverty, but to prevent poverty. Now, if you're in a household that is incredibly struggling, if you're skipping meals, if you're rationing medicines, if you're not even able to afford medications that you desperately need, the Home for All initiative will work to, you know, cover that, you know, whether it be through universal basic income or universal health care, which are two things that are key and detrimental to my Home for All initiative. All of these things combined together make the Home for All initiative as powerful as it possibly can be while not, you know, being wasted. You know, the whole point of this plan is to maximize efficiency and to minimize a waste of resources, which is why, you know, this is a one-on-one thing. There will be genuine people, a part of the state, who will analyze your current situation and dependent on how severe that situation is, you will gain priority. For instance, let's say there is somebody that, you know, is, is sick, cannot afford medication, and is currently homeless and in poverty. If you have all of these problems that are facing you, you will more than likely be given some sort of priority. Um, this isn't going to be some first, first come, first serve type of deal. This is going to be a system that actually looks at the issues that people are having while not singling people out. We are also going to make sure that the people who urgently and desperately need the care are the first people to receive that care. 
And, you know, by putting a, a good amount of funding behind this, for, uh, a good amount of state funding behind this plan, we can actually make sure that the plan continues to work as intended. Now, more in depth on the Home for All initiative. One of the main points of my campaign, uh, sorry about that, campaign is my Home for All initiative, which will tackle crises such as homelessness and poverty head on in an attempt to put a quick and efficient end to both crises. But how and why? The reason that I created the initiative is pretty simple. I decided it was time someone actually took the homelessness crisis and poverty crisis in California seriously. My opponents in this race haven't shown that they will be truthfully committed to solving these issues, likely because they lack a plan as detailed as mine. How Home for All will work is very simple. It will provide housing, employment at a job with a livable and fair wage, a universal basic income for lower and middle class people, as well as universal health care for all Californians. Now, a lot of people might get confused by how the Home for All initiative is laid out. And, you know, I'm going to really simplify it right here. The benefits such as universal basic income and universal health care, the universal parts of the Home for All initiative are not necessarily anchored into the Home for All plan, but are technically a part of the plan, which doesn't necessarily mean that you have to sign up for Home for All to be able to get universal health care or universal basic income. Those things will be automatic, um, but they do technically count as part of the plan because that is a large factor into ending things like poverty, debt, and homelessness. You know, these things are going to be incredibly useful to people suffering from homelessness or poverty, which is why I decided to include it technically within the Home for All plan. But if you're not homeless or not necessarily in poverty, if you're just in the middle or lower class, you will be able to get universal basic income. Now, people in the upper class will not be able to receive a universal basic income, um, mainly because they really don't need a universal basic income if they have millions of dollars. But universal health care will be applicable to all Californians. So whether that be an underage Californian, someone who is a low class, middle class, or upper class citizen, doesn't matter, you will have universal health care. However, universal basic income will be reserved to middle and lower class citizens. Now, in addition to this, a increase in universal basic income will be given to new parents. Now, this was mentioned, obviously, in caring for our youth. And that basically means that, you know, on top of, you know, if you're, if you're receiving universal basic income, you will be given a slight increase in how much that universal basic income is if you have recently given birth to a child. Um, you know, that will count and that will hopefully help many families be able to afford the high cost of raising a child while we also work simultaneously to bring that price down over time by fighting inflation. Now, I want to talk about healthcare access. Um, you know, Access to healthcare, in my opinion, is a fundamental human right, and that's why I will work to reintroduce CalCare if elected governor. Now, CalCare was a proposed universal healthcare plan for California, but it was shut down by the state assembly. Um, well, not not the state assembly. I don't think. I think it was it was just the state legislature as a whole pretty much condemned it and tried to shut it down. But I will fight 
to bring CalCare back and to actually make it a reality. Um, and, you know, if that opportunity does not arise, I will end up drafting my own plan, which, you know, regardless, so basically what I'm trying to say is regardless of if we can necessarily get the exact CalCare plan passed or not, the point is that no matter what I have to do, there will be a universal health care plan proposed and we will work our butts off to make sure that it is passed. Better elections. Now, here's the changes I will make with better elections. I will mandate that primaries for all political parties occur and actually count, even if there is an incumbent running for re-election, regardless of what level the election is on. I will also make it far easier and less complicated to file for office to the municipal and state levels. So any sort of office that you have to file with the state for, we will be trying to make it easier for people to run for office. We will be cutting unnecessary fees. We will be cutting the amount of paperwork and complicated things that you need to run for office. We will make the process much simpler so that more people can run. Because as an American citizen, you know, as a Californian, you do have a right to run for office. And I believe that that should be protected and maintained. I will also require that ballots include headshot images of candidates in order for them to appear on a ballot. In addition to this, there will be a brief summary underneath each candidate's profile on the, on the ballot, which basically will s- give a very brief summary, bullet point summary, of each candidate's main political beliefs and priorities. This will be done in order to increase fair and unbiased elections and to educate voters in a truly unbased unbiased format. Now, what I mean by this is that, you know, there might be some people who are like, oh, well, how are you going to get get that brief summary? And that's a very, very good question for a lot of people to be asking is, you know, how will you get this brief summary of what this politician will plan to do if elected to the position they are running for? And that's pretty simple. We're not going to work our butts off realistically to make our own list dependent on things that you've said, but here's how it will work. How it will work is candidates will be expected to not only turn in a headshot image, which is basically a picture of the candidate's face, um, you will not only be required to um, you know, provide an image that is up to date and recent, but you will also be required to provide a very brief bullet point list of priorities and things that you will prioritize if elected to office. Now, there is room in that instance for people to lie about what they plan to accomplish. And that is where fact checking comes in. Now, during this process, we will, you know, I will most likely have it where, you know, there will be people to fact check what you claim to be your priorities. If there are discrepancies found, the first time you will be allowed to change it as long as it is submitted within 72 hours of the initial send back. So basically we'll send it back, tell you what the problems are, and you have 72 hours to submit a fixed version. Now, if you submit a version after that, which is still inaccurate, still has false information, or just choose not to submit another one, you will not appear on that ballot. 
And the reason why this is the way it is, and a lot of people might see it as, you know, authoritative or something stupid like that. This is not authoritative. This is making sure that our elections are actually free, fair, and making sure that voters are unbiased in the way that they are learning about candidates. You know, a big issue of what we have now in, in today's world is the fact that people just vote based on what party someone's a part of. And I think that's ridiculous, you know? I believe that each party should have equal amount of room on the ballot. I believe that every single candidate and every single party should have to provide their list of priority actions that they will take if elected to that office that they are running for. Even if they are an incumbent, everyone will be required to meet the same minimums Everyone will be required to submit a headshot image. Everyone will be required to submit a factually correct list of priorities. And if you are caught either submitting a false image or if you are caught lying on the brief priority summary, it depends on how many times you do it. If it's just the first time and it's a genuine mistake, we will have leniency. But if it continues to be a problem and it is proven that you are doing it intentionally, the state can refuse to allow you to appear on the ballot. In addition, in addition to that, um, you won't appear on the ballot, but also people who have donated to your campaign will have the right to file a class action lawsuit due to your negligence, but only people who have donated You know, people who have donated to your campaign will reserve the right to sue your campaign or yourself as a person if you choose to do this. um, And if you choose to become ineligible by your own means, they will have the right to sue for their money back. Um, In addition to that, you know, any candidate who is eligible, um, my plan personally is to not only enforce automatic voter registration, so the moment you turn 18, you're registered to vote, but also I believe that if there is a primary, and let's say you're 17, and there's a primary election, you'll be 17 when the primary election happens, but you will be 18 when the general election happens. I plan to make it that when you're 17 and it's the primary election for the general election that happens when you're 18, you will be allowed to vote in that primary election, even though you are still 17. And the reason why is because I saw that New Jersey did this, and I think it's a genius idea, and I plan to make sure that is enforced and incorporated in the California election system, because I just think that's the way things should work. Um, So yeah. In addition to that, you know, there will be penalties, there will be uh, issues. If you do choose to do this, not only will you be susceptible to, you know, a law, a class action lawsuit from people who have donated to your campaign, if you choose to, you know, not, uh, not, you know, comply with us and not give us the factual correct information to put on the ballot. Because here's the thing, as a candidate, you should have the responsibility to do so. Um, But if not, you know, that's an issue. We can't have that happening. Um, and yes, uh, now I'm not sure personally, I'm not sure how that would work on trying to get that for federal elections. 
But um, we will be looking to apply that to every single election type, including primary elections, general elections, and special elections as well on all levels. So we'll be looking to incorporate that um, for presidential candidates, for U.S. House candidates, and U.S. Senate candidates as well. Now, I'm not sure about, you know, who has that power. If it takes me literally having to go to Congress to make it a federal thing, just to make sure that people in California have the same experience when it comes to, you know, federal candidates for office, then so be it. You know, I personally do not have a limit that I will stop at to fight for what is right for people and to fight for what people deserve. Um, And what people deserve is all of the topics that I have talked about today, including a livable economy, ending homelessness, caring for our youth and future generations, caring for the environment, being able to stand up for the fight that we are fighting for, you know, having a candidate on the ballot who focuses on results over rhetoric and games, ending poverty, implementing Home for All, which will end poverty, homelessness, and and fix so many things that we are having issues with, Obviously, the, the right to health care and better quality elections. And this isn't even all of it. This isn't even all of what I plan to accomplish within my first four years. This is just a part of it. You know, I believe that when politicians get into office, they have a lot more power than they're showing you. And that's a fact. You know, they have the ability to do all of these things and then choose not to. Or they switch up when they enter office and, you know, stuff like that happens. And I think that is completely incorrect. Um, in addition, you know, if you try and, you know, persuade voters to vote for you by, let's just say you stick by this agenda. Let's say you have a very progressive agenda, for instance, right? And you constantly talk about the progressive agenda nonstop. That's the only thing you ever talk about while you're running for office. That is also what you provide to the you know, state for what your brief priorities summary would say on the ballot. And it gets approved, you know, because that's what you're talking about. That's what you are running for. According to, you know, every source that we have, nothing's wrong with it. There's no discrepancy that we can see. You're good to go. And then let's say you win that election, right? Congratulations. But here's the problem. Let's just say this, this candidate or this politician now, because they have been elected, decides to suddenly start having a completely different agenda or a far more moderate agenda than what they ran on, since that is the same thing that they put on the ballot and submitted to the state, they will be liable to criminal charges for interfering with an election. You know, there will be election interference. There will be several other things that can possibly be brought on to you. Again, I'm working out the specifics on that still, but the point still stands. Politicians need to tell the truth and they need to be held accountable when they do not tell the truth, whether that be on the campaign trail or while they're in office. You know, that needs to be a universally recognized thing is that politicians need to be able to tell the truth. If they are not telling the truth, they do not deserve to represent us. That is how I see it, and that's how a lot of other people do see it, and I know that for a fact. 
And that's the way that I see us getting on the fastest path to free, fair, and better elections. Um, so yeah, um, that is all I've posted on there for now. If you want to go follow it, it is Tony4CA26. You can follow me on Instagram um, there and you'll see more of these posts coming out over time. So yeah, I want to thank you all so much for listening and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.